Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by looking at various doctrines of the Christian faith. I am Robert Kane. Hey, Robert. I'm Rick. Hey, Rick. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you like how I, how I changed it up there a little bit? Yeah, man. That was like coming in strong. Coming in strong. Hot and heavy. Here we go. <laughs> That's right. I've been listening to a lot like, of sports if podcasts. If you had um, and they always, earphones, I'm sorry. <laughs> they, these sports podcasts I always listen to, they, they always like have a ton of high energy at the beginning, and they're like kind of partway screaming. And so I decided to uh, give that a try. Do here. they like turn their head away from the mic when they do that? You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's radio, baby. Not that's right. Not video. That's true. I'm so <clears throat> how you been? How you been? It's been it's been a minute since we recorded. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Um, life marches on. Yeah, today, hey audience, today's a special day, and Rick's giving me the eyes because it's we're not supposed to mention certain dates, but. Without mentioning the date, Rick, today bum, bum, bum. is yeah a big day for you. And you mentioned on an earlier episode, maybe it's one that we already recorded that's going to post later. I don't know. Yes. But I couldn't we're, call we're you. We're recording like the middle of the series. We are. So that's okay. Let's whatever. just call it out. Yeah. But I couldn't call you Rev. Yeah. Because you weren't, last episode. you weren't ordained yet. That's correct. Now, today, what's happening? Um... Well, Will is turning four months. He's four All months right. old today. You know that's not where I'm going. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. The cues. Yeah. So uh, last Monday, um, I was officially ordained as a mm. reverend in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So big day um, last Monday. Rob, thanks for being there. I appreciate that you drove to Cleveland to support me and be there. That was really just impactful. I mean, all the years we've been together. Yeah, I drove to you Kentucky know, so many times to help you. Far be it from me to miss I'm, anything like that. I'm glad you're there. If I'm, if I'm anything. Oh wait, Rick, that's right. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, no. But tonight we are doing a, at our church. We're doing like a reception for me and uh, another guy who got ordained. So it's exciting. So moral of the story is that so long as there's food provided, I'll be there. Okay. I could have. There's food. There's there's like great cheesecake and stuff afterwards on Monday. There's all kinds of food, Rob. You just weren't there. You just weren't there to support Wait, me. I wasn't invited on Monday. I'm uh, pretty sure I invited you like three years ago when I started this process. Should have put it in my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So anyway, it's exciting. It's exciting to be done to have it wrapped up. Um, I don't want to say like in the bag, like it's something you you're, you're done and you move on from, but to be done with the process. Uh, super glad. It is a, a weighty thing, though. You know, at the service, they there's a, several things you do, and then there's vows that you take, and they they pray over you and stuff. So it's really cool, um, but also pretty weighty. Is that what the scab is on your hand when you like had to cut your yeah the palm for of your the hand blood, for a blood, blood covenant covenant thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we all. Do I thought it. that was a CMA thing. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I mean, then you drink that thing, and it's after that you say a few words. You wake up the next day and head's a little dizzy, but. You're ordained. Yeah, yeah, pretty That's much. Good. It's much like a college hazing experience. <laughs> no, just kidding. Not at all. But um, it's a very, um, yeah, it's cool. Um, like I want to say it's a very special and sacred thing because it ha- it feels like that kind of weight. But at the same time, like we are all called to be ministers of the gospel. Yeah. We're all in the priesthood of saints, First um, Peter 2, 9. So it's cool. But yeah, that's new, man. Excellent. What's up with you, Rob? Nothing. I'm just glad I get to call you Rev now. Yeah. Yep, I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad I went through this whole process for you. You know what? I'm just <laughs> glad you finally finished the process. I've been waiting for you. This Ooh. side of the ordination. 
Well, Rob, Good now, to actually, here. we're both ordained guys. <laughs> so um, one signed a paper and one took three years of, Rick, of work. Rick, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you think I signed a paper? Who signed it for you? My pastor. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I didn't have to sign anything. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. But, but to be fair, it, it's not like y- your church just ordains anyone on a whim. No. I mean, these men yeah. know you and they approve of you and um, you had to do a wedding. So, they, like, whatever. Yeah, they they trust me. They already knew me really well. So. Yeah, but still. Anyway, um, moving on. Yeah. So okay, let's. Uh, we we have dinner here in like twenty two minutes. But by dinner we mean, our my wife is cooking tacos. Not like we have a yakos. Yeah, is that what they're called? Uh, north of the border. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? You know. You know what's funny? <laughs> Real quick. So ran into Daniel Kirby. The uh-huh. other day, yeah. shout out to Daniel, um, and he was telling me how he wanted to create a T-shirt with the state of Michigan, and in the middle of it, say Yakos. That's so clever. <laughs> like, that would be awesome. Oh my goodness! I'd be pumped if that came out. Yeah. So, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, a couple episodes ago, check it out. Yeah, Rick made a fool of me on air, <laughs> or I made a fool of myself. Either way, it was fun. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we got dinner. We're gonna get rolling. Um, so we are in the series on the doctrines of grace. Yep. We've covered total depravity. Um, what's the other one we've covered? Unconditional we election. Yeah, we did them in order, and then um, today we are covering covering traditionally what's called limited atonement. Um, we also call it definite redemption or definite atonement, which I think those. Two words are probably more helpful yeah. in understanding what it is. Some people call it particular redemption. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think definite atonement is probably my preference. Yeah. So through this series, we've been referencing some of John Piper's stuff. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a quote by him. The atonement of Christ is sufficient for all humans and effective for those who trust him. It is not limited in its worth or sufficiency to save all who believe. But the full saving effectiveness of the atonement that Jesus accomplished is limited to those whom that saving effect is prepared. So it gets a little, a little confusing there, but it's fully effective for those who are prepared to receive it, or it's prepared for. The availability of the total sufficiency of the atonement is for all people. Whosoever will, whosoever believes, will be covered by the blood of Christ. And there is a divine design in the death of Christ to accomplish the promises of the new covenant for the chosen bride of Christ. Thus, Christ died for all people, but not for all in the same way. JP. Dr. JP. I like that divine design. Divine design. Yeah, so there's a lot there. But his point is that, again, it's it's um, effectiveness is for those who who actually believe. Because he says... Um, whosoever will, whoever believes, will be covered by the blood of Christ. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good good thing to make sure that we touch on because the initial reaction is, is wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. So, so Jesus didn't die for all men? Like Jesus yeah. didn't die for all people? Or like the atonement was only for the elect? Yeah. And, and I think it's really important to, to hit home that we are not denying what Scripture says that whoever would repent of their sin, whoever would embrace the gospel, will in fact be saved. We yes. are full-heartedly agreeing with that. Yes. What we 
are also saying, though, is that until God acts and until he gives someone eyes to see, ears to hear, changes their heart of stone to a heart of flesh, mm-hmm. then because of their deadness and sin, yeah, they will not choose God. They will not repent. They will not believe. And so, therefore, we're, we're saying that this, this atonement that Christ has done on the cross is only for those who repent and believe, and therefore, it's only for God's elect. Yeah, I think it's, it's important as we go through these, all these doctrines, um, this is usually the hardest one. Yeah. And this is the one where you, people will say, oh, I'm a four-point Calvinist, or I'm almost there. This is usually the one they drop off at. Um, because, one, there's just a lot of misunderstanding about what it is. Because you say, hey, yeah, uh, God's atonement's limited. It's not for everyone. They're like, wait, what? So God, Jesus only died for like his best friends, his cronies? It's like, well, there's more to it than that. Um, but as we talked last episode about unconditional election, because God has elected out of the world his, and that's his sovereignty, he can do that, and he's done that, he then, um, his death is fully effective and efficient for those that whom he has elected. Which, again, there's a lot of confusion around this. So, um I know, we have a lot of commentaries, Rob and I. Yeah, we, we are super <clears throat> not smart, so we read guys who are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like one thing, John Frame. Real, real quick though, oh. you guys yeah. want a quick um, trick of the trade? That's the term I was going for. Trick of the trade. <laughs> trick of the trade. Um, for those of you who are like us and would not be considered smart. Um, like, like, and certainly, we, like, we're not trying to take away. Like, God, God has given good. us intellectual abilities. We're but very we're no grateful theologian. for that. We're not. Yeah, we're definitely no Doctor John Piper. Um, you want to sound smart? Uh, read commentaries Hello. and just quote them. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're doing yeah. on here. So, uh, Rick, I think you had something that you were about to read. Yeah, then you interrupted me. Um, yeah, Rick's about to quote a commentary. Yeah, so John Frame wrote a commentary. Um, I'm going to put my systematic down because I know you have your copy. No, you are reading John Frame's systematic. That's not a commentary. No, Wayne Grudem's. I'm putting, sorry, John, Wayne Grudem's. Yeah, and I, I think I said commentaries earlier. You can just read smart guys and quote them. Yeah. It could be commentary, systematic theology, so, so in biblical this, theology, historical theology. Um, it can I, be a novel. <laughs> okay, you're done? All right. Um, so in pre- preparing for this episode, it's helped me to kind of relearn some of these things and, and learn some of these things anew, fresh. Um, as I was reading through John Frames, he talks in a couple paragraphs, if you have the commentary, it's page 905, um, about the atonement, and he compares historically what's called universal atonement, which everyone, atonement's for everyone, to limited atonement. And what struck me is he comes from it at, or I read it at like a different angle. The reality is that if the atonement... Um, is for everyone, and and when Christ died, he died for every single man and all of their sin, then the atonement is not effective enough to save me. There has to, it has to be atonement and something else. Atonement and something else. Not just fully the substitutionary atonement. I've never thought about that before, and that hit me like... So, one, I fully embrace this doctrine because I do believe it's um, defi- there's definite atonement, that it's clear... Who Christ died for—that's his or his work was effective for those um, in a definite way, but also that the atonement was 
unlimited in its effect for me. So a quote by John Frame, he says, I think the Bible teaches that the atonement is limited in its extent, so it's not, it doesn't reach everyone, but unlimited in its efficacy, in its effectiveness. And I think that's so important that we wrap our minds around what he's saying there, that the atonement, Scripture is clear, is full. It's complete. It's whole. It's not partial. It's, as you said earlier, like when Christ said it's finished, it's finished. We don't add into that. Whereas to say, no, it's for all people at all time, that's to say, well, it's actually not complete and full. It just opens the door so everyone can enter in, and you need something else as well. Yeah, and, and that was John Frame. You know what you, I said? You said John Piper. John Frame. We, we do quote Piper. He's he's yeah, fantastic. Sorry. But that he's was John, Frame. guys, you know? Mm-hmm, there are know. a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like that, that, is, that is a tremendous explanation by, by Frame there. And what, to, to build off of what you were frame saying. Frame by frame. <clears throat> yeah. Great framework by, by frame. Oh, man. Um, to build off what you were saying, to say that it is the, the atonement is unlimited would be to say that it, it is limited in its eff- efficacy or its effectiveness. Yes. Um, which would be to say that there are people out there whose sins are paid for, but they are still on their way to hell. Right. And, and that's that would insinuate that God set out to do something mm-hmm. and his plans were frustrated. Right. I, I think um, Frame says that somewhere in here. Or no, that was Burkhoff and his systematic that, that they were frustrated. So we've, we're pulling from three different systematic theologies here, guys. And I'll link to them in the show notes. But if you want to know what they are, they're Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, John Frame's systematic theology, and um, Louis Burkhoff's yeah. systematic Louis. theology. All three are solid. Okay. Check them out. And side note, I think... One of the things that has turned me um, in turned me on to theology more than anything is just a good systematic theology, yeah. because all of a sudden all these you know lofty ideas and stuff they become um, I don't say tangible, but I can pull a book off and I can read about them. Yeah, I can study them. It's not just for a theologian or for my pastor, uh, but I can look it up and start reading about it and educate myself and learn about it. It, which is really exciting. It's fantastic because yes. these books are really big and so they look intimidating. But honestly, what I do, and I'm sure Rick, you're the same way. Carry them in a coffee shop, set them down. That's right. Them. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. People just, they think I'm really smart. <laughs> no, I, uh, if I'm curious about something, I'll pull it off the shelf, go to the index, find where it is in there, and then I'll read the couple paragraphs in there that are on it. It's essentially just a fantastic resource. It is. And, and uh, the guys that we... So some some of you may know this, some of you listeners, some of you may not. Uh, me and a few guys in our life group, we meet up every other week for breakfast and we go through a study. We're actually going through systematic theology right now. Yeah, that's so awesome. So it's amazing. I've, I've been able to just read it and go through the different chapters we're going through. So all that to say, guys, if you're interested, get a systematic theology. No one's making you read that thing in right. one sitting. And that's a good a point, resource. Though. If you can find someone to kind of walk, someone you trust, um, theologically, they don't have to have all the answers, but you're willing to walk through it with someone, that's phenomenal because then you can go back and forth with your questions and, hey, we read this. What do you think about that? Because, yeah, it's going to be a lot of questions for you. It's going to drive you back to Scripture to dig into it more. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, so a, a quote here in Frames, John Frames' systematic theology, was that those who say that the atonement has an unlimited extent believe that it has a limited efficacy, a limited power to save. Those who believe the atonement is limited to the elect, however— believe that it has an unlimited efficacy. 
and that's just essentially repeating what we were what we were just saying but just to to re rehammer home that to is rehammer home a redundant statement it totally is like there's hammer home and then it's a rehammer home you, we're just really beating that dead horse into the ground whoa that's whoa. not a good statement for these day, this day and age rob wow but what, but so what we're getting at is that there are people who will say rob used to work on a horse farm live on a horse farm i don't not anymore not anymore I wonder why because i live in a condo now you beat all your dead horses <laughs> beat all the dead horses <laughs> you're a jerk but no, anyway. what, what we, but there are some people out there who would say, man, it seems so much more glorious for the atonement to be unlimited, right? And what yeah. we're kind of coming back on here is saying, actually, no, because then that would insinuate that God attempted to do something, yes. but for a vast amount of the population, because scripture says that the gate is narrow, yeah. that leads to life. So for the vast population, God's sacrifice did not work out and it didn't right. come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, that. Sorry, keep going. No, I was just going to jump in on two things. One, what brought this doctrine home to me the most and made it most clear is when R.C. Sproul was talking about this and he just said, this is what I say to people who, who, who are struggling with this. Did Jesus fail on the cross? Mm, that's a powerful so question. Like, I've never thought about it that way. Did Jesus fail on the cross? When he died for sin, did he, did he fail? Meaning, did he die for a bunch of people who would reject him and not truly redeem them back. And I would say, no, he didn't. That's why I believe this. But two, I've also heard people say, well, the reason people go to hell, this is a really weak argument, but I've heard it, the reason they go to hell is because they rejected um, Christ, the, the price that Christ has paid for them. And I would say, no, the reason they go to hell is because they're sinful and they're rebellious. Yeah. They're born into sin. So from then on, they deserve hell without even... It's not because they rejected Christ that they deserve it, because that would also point to um, a borderline universalist universalism. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and a lot of people will say, like, kind of building off what you said, that yeah. that Jesus on the cross paid for all the sins of all the world, but the reason anyone goes to hell is because they rejected Christ. But if the sin of rejecting Christ falls under the umbrella of sin, yeah then it would fall under the umbrella of all the sins of all the world that Jesus paid for, right. which would en end up being universalism. Yeah. And, and because and, we reject That might sound like we're out in the weeds there, but it's really, I'll just reiterate that, that if if uh, Christ paid the price for all sin, then he would have paid the, paid the price, excuse me, for us rejecting him. And that means everyone gets in, and that's universalism. And scripture clearly teaches that that is not the case. Yeah. Um, what else you got? You have some scripture for us, Rob? Well, I'm trying. There's all kinds of them in Grudem's systematic, and so maybe I'll just read. Um, what page you on? I'm on page 596 here. I'm get it. <laughs> get it, man. So I'm just gonna read the the section that Grudem has here that says scripture passages used to support the reformed view of which is limited atonement or definite atonement, and so he says. This, several scripture passages speak of the fact that Christ died for his people. And he quotes John 10:11 here, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then John 10:15, he says, I laid down my life for the sheep. And then Paul speaks, Paul speaks of the church of which, the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own son. So the blood of his own son was for the church of God. 
and that's in Acts 20, 28. He also says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? That's Romans 8, 32. And so all things that are given to those who are in Christ were given because the son was given for us all. So that sounds kind of mixed there, but we receive all things with him because he has paid for our sin. And if he has paid for the sin of everybody, then everybody receives all things with him. But we know, based off of reading scripture, that that isn't the case. Um, there are more passages, Rick, if you want to throw some around. Um, well, so one that we have, it's not in the book, but we have it in the show notes here in um, Romans 3.25-26. says, God put Christ, God put forward as a propitiation, the perfect atonement, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that Christ was the the atonement, the propitiation, um, and that's received by, by faith, um, but it is, it is the perfect uh, atonement for us. It justifies us with God completely. So to reference back to that, what I was sharing, it's not a, a partial atonement. It is a full atonement. Yeah, yeah. And and he's just and justifier of the one who has faith in, in Jesus. Yeah. So for his elect, for his sheep. Uh, I mean, really, just, just read John 10, and that, that'll bring a lot of it together for you. But there's, there's a lot of passages that we could go over. There's also some passages that seem problematic, and essentially it's the ones that talk about the world, and it's the ones that, t- that say all. I mean, you can you can look at Grudem Systematic on page 596. It talks about these things, and he gives a great explanation for each of them. But essentially, a lot of the times when the... Why didn't we just invite Wayne on here? You know, was he busy? Hindsight's or? twenty twenty. Should have got him on the. App. I should have just texted him. I'm sure yeah. he's not doing anything today. Well, we were supposed to hang out later. I I just didn't think to have him talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to Sky Zone with him. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna jump with some trampolines with <laughs> Doctor Wayne Grudem? Uh, <clears throat> anyway, okay, sorry. You're in the middle. But no, so sense. so there there are certainly plenty of passages that seem to insinuate that Christ. Atonement on the cross was for the whole world. Yeah. Like, we're not going to be negligent to John that. John 3.16. There you go. Um, and, and Grudem addresses those in his systematic, but one of, the, one of the main things that we need to recognize is that when Scripture talks about the whole world, it's oftentimes in a general sense, not every individual person. Yeah. And so every tribe, nation, and tongue... Yes, there will be representatives from everyone in glory. Yep. But that doesn't mean that every single person from every single tribe, nation, and tongue is going to be in glory. Right. So that's that's a great, like, just cut to the chase to that question. People say, what about the whole world? Well, do you believe the whole world is going to heaven? Obviously not. So when yeah. Scripture says the whole world, it doesn't mean that he's going to redeem the whole world, um, but that he is going to redeem people out of every nation in the world. Yeah. And, the world. and in Second uh, Peter 2, 1, there's a passage that is really one that stumped me for, for a long time. I remember that. But Peter speaks, it says, 
Here's Grudem here on page 599. When Peter speaks of false teachers who bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, that's 2 Peter 2, 1. What, what Grudem gets at is that it's unclear whether the word master refers to Christ or to God the Father. And if it refers to God the Father, then that would be a reference to Deuteronomy, I believe it's 32, 6, when God is talking about um, him purchasing his people from Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. And so every Jew during that time would recognize themselves as someone who has been bought from the Egyptians mm-hmm. and brought into the promised land. And yeah. so when, when Peter talks about even denying the even denying the master who bought them, he could very easily and is very likely talking about God who bought them in the Old Testament, pointing back to him purchasing them from Egypt and bringing them here and now fulfilling the covenant to, to send a Messiah and by them bringing in false heresies, they're denying the master who bought them from Egypt. And then Frame references that, and, and he doesn't say whether he disagrees with it or agrees with that, but he offers another solution as well to, he said he takes that as those who have um, made a profession of faith and been publicly baptized. And so not only have they made a profession of faith, but they have announced that publicly to an, an on-looking audience, and they later on renounce the faith and walk away from it. And so he, he would say that, that based off your profession, you said that Christ purchased you, that Christ has paid for your sin, and you even took a step of obedience to be baptized and to proclaim that publicly to the world, and now you are denying the master who you said purchased you. And so there's two options there yeah. on how to interpret that, both of which seem more convincing than God purchasing everyone right. in atonement, and then them having to make a double payment yeah. and go to hell later. I, I don't want anyone to think that we, as we go through these, the, well, really any episode, but especially some of the more deep ones, that we, um, one, know everything. Oh or my two, goodness. Two, two that, <laughs> I don't think anybody's convinced of that. Yeah. Um, two, that we, there's not wiggle room or, or, or that it's just black and white. Yeah. Um, these are hard things. And some of these things are more open-handed things. And it's okay to have some wiggle room and, hey, I, I think this, I think that. Um, some things that we talk about on the episode are more close-handed things. Um, for us, like this, I, I mean, I have friends, tons of people who do not hold the doctrine, these doctrines of grace, or um, what we're calling TULIP, or five points of Calvinism. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, it's a really important doctrine. Yeah, and I think it's so. Right. I want to segue with that. Segue, baby. but before we do, I do want to reiterate what you said that we do believe this is an important doctrine. Yeah. However, this is not a close-handed. If you disagree with us on this and you just can't seem to agree with this position, that is a okay. Like, I mean, you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong, but <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. This is not a topic to divide over. There are people that I go to church with that that would not agree with me on this oh yeah same and, here yeah and and so it's that doesn't mean that we don't have opinions and that we don't look into it and we don't right. dive deep to figure out what god's word does say yes but it means we use discernment and wisdom yeah. into how we let it apply to our life and so 
we do believe that this does have an effect on our life. But Rick, you were talking earlier about how definite a tone coming at it from a different angle was like a yeah, big deal for you. It, it was, was kind of like, like a little like, revelation, not, not like a divine revelation, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. So right. explain that a little bit. Why is this, why is this doctrine um, important for our daily well, lives? I kind of did want to open it up, but just to reiterate that, like for me, it was, um, I'm knowing that, okay, Hey, the, the atonement is definite or historically called limited. So it doesn't include everyone in the redemptive work of the atonement. That's just been the one I've always struggled with. And as I said, that's, this is the one that most people struggle with. However, when you say either A, it's um, unlimited in its extent, meaning it reaches everyone, or B, it's unlimited in its efficacy, its effectiveness. Because that's what it is. Either it's unlimited in who it goes to and it goes to everyone, and by default it's limited in its effectiveness to you, or B, it's limited in who it goes to, but it's unlimited in its effectiveness. Does that make sense? The two options. Um, understanding that it's either one or the other was just kind of mind-blowing because I never thought, hey, if it if it goes to everyone, if it's for everyone, that means it's not fully, it's not the full atonement for me. That means I still have work to do. That means I have to earn something. I have to do something. And one, Scripture clearly teaches that it that's not true, that I don't have to earn or work or kind of by the sweat of my brow get into heaven but two i don't have the ability hmm. i flat out i don't have the ability to make that happen so if you take out this doctrine it's like well it's back on your shoulders rick you got to make it happen and I, I can't do that yeah yeah it just it makes me and it's doctrines of grace because it's it's god's grace yeah it emphasizes god's His grace amazing yes. grace and what is amazing about this doctrine of limited atonement yes. is that although it is limited or definite in who it extends to, to those whom it extends to, the church, God's people, the, the bride of Christ, the sheep, to those whom it does extend to, it is finished. Yes. Their salvation is purchased in full. Yeah. They do not have to work like you were saying. Although works are a, a fruit of someone who has been purchased by the blood right. of Christ, that does not add anything to their salvation. Yeah. Um, to to use an illustration, and <laughs> always hesitant to use illustrations because they all break down. They all break at down. Some point. They all break down. Um, but maybe this will be helpful when it comes to limited atonement. And so, if there was like a world breakout disease, like World War Z zombie type, <laughs> all right. Um, and there is a cure Yeah. and the cure, anyone can come get the cure and it will cure them. It will cure everybody right. if they would only come and get the vaccination. Right. The vaccination is complete in its efficacy. Yeah. It is unlimited in its efficacy. You won't have any of this disease left yeah. in you. However, it is only effective for those who come and get the vaccine. Right. And the atonement yes. is only effective for those who repent and believe. Right. And to tack on to that, only those who come are called. Yeah. Oh. And, you know what I mean? What only, is it? only those who come have are the ones who have been chosen by God. Well, yeah. I mean, let's, let's read. It goes back to our unconditional election, our last episode. Let's read Romans Let us. 8, 
20, we'll start in 20 because that's a super popular one. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. But here we go, verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. So everybody he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Every single person that he predestined made it from that predestination to that calling, to that justification, to that glorification. No one fell through the cracks. Right, yeah. Philippians uh, 1.6, He who began a good work will see it to completion. And that good work is to be um, in Christ, to be made like Christ, then one may be fully sanctified and to be glorified. Yeah. So, um, just to tie this back into a, kind of a couple of the past episodes, you know, if, if all men are depraved, they cannot choose God. God must choose and save them. It is Christ's work of the atonement that saves the elect. Christ did not fail on the cross in the atoning, atoning work of Christ. It was efficient for all, but for the elect, it was effective. It paid the penalty for sin, secured our faith, and brought about our regeneration. So all these things, again, mm, Dr. John back, Piper. They, they tie into each other. Is that a Piper quote? No, that's what I wrote. I know. I just wanted oh. to teach your horn. <sighs> Man of words over here. Thank you. Yeah, you guys can pick up my book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my book, Definite Atonement. Definite Atonement. Um, yeah, so that's one of how it ties into the other things. Um, yeah. and it's important that we, we get this. And it does, as I kind of opened up and, and shared a minute ago, it, it, it does hit you um, in a practical way, understanding how the atonement is complete in you. Yeah. Rather than just kind of um, halfway there, it is complete. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this, Rick? We've already gone for... Um, that's it. What, 35 minutes, 34 Man, minutes? breaking records Ooh. over here. Um, but yeah, so if you like today's episode and you think someone else may possibly out there like it, like the episode, or like our podcast, please uh, share it with people. Share it with your family, friends, coworkers, complete strangers. Um <laughs> We're impartial to that. Share it to anyone. But we also love it when people leave us a rating on iTunes, especially. Leave us a review as well. We love reviews. Um, And you can do that wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we'd love to give you a shout-out if you leave us a review. Which we're actually getting ready after this to record an episode. Well, they won't hear it for like three episodes, so. No, no, no. It's going to be a bonus one, so it's going to post Drop like one. right after the oh, same wow. week. Man, you guys, you guys are blessed. <laughs> Hashtag. Um, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But hey, if you want to contact us, we are on Facebook at Simple Theology. We're on Twitter at Simple Theology underscore. And check out the website, simpletheology.org. You can still support us on Patreon. Go to Patreon, search Simple Theology, or go to our website. There's a link there. Um, still have that kicker deal with Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology and you sign up for Audible through that, then you, one, you get a free book um, that starts a subscription that kicks in after the second month. You get a free book. We get a kickback, which is actually helping us fund some stuff, which is a lot of fun um, to get new equipment and so forth. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, a great thanks, way to check thanks out more to you books. Guys. guys, if you want to have something fun here, go back and listen to some of our first episodes. The sound quality 
was terrible. Yeah, we've, I mean, it was we've bad. Improved, and that's, it was bad. That's primarily, but we've been able to get some new equipment. Yeah. We've been able to get some new equipment, and you guys are the ones who have made that possible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we're getting real close to getting a portable recorder, which we're stoked about. Hello. So our setup will be quicker and we can record more episodes. But you guys are great. Thank you so much. Peace the heck out. Peace. Wow. Language. Peace out. <laughs> Peace out, y'all.